0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen to the Danger Room, X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam and my name is Jeremy and we're here to discuss Uncanny X-Men number 204, the April 1986 issue on sale January 7th of 1986, cover price 75 cents. This one's titled What happened to Nightcrawler?
1: Yeah, what what happened to him? Apparently, well according to the cover, it involves lights camera and murder
0: and it looks like he's punching some japanese folk
1: he's doing and all sorts of stuff there's like airplanes on the cover he's driving a dune
0: buggy he's
1: got a damsel in distress and, and he's punching japanese dudes it
0: looks like the marvel box is starting to get really crowded
1: oh yeah i guess i didn't really notice that i guess they've put uh, magneto on as a member of the x-men cyclops apparently still is a member of the x-men
0: that's so weird.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's an oversight. Um, everybody else yeah. is legit.
0: Uh, he's the only one that's new. <clears throat> like last issue, they have everybody except for Cyclops. That's weird. It's very weird.
1: Anyhow, yeah. So this, is, whatever, it's kind of a generic cover, if you ask me. Um, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing that stands out. This is a cover that's uh, also by the guest penciler. June Brigman, who is guest inked by Will Sportacio. I've heard of him.
0: Yeah, it's true.
1: Glennis Oliver's the colorist. Tom Warszakowski's letter and Anno Sentis the editor, and Jim Shooter's the editor in chief.
0: Although Terry Austin inked the cover.
1: Oh, okay. Well, fine. Will Sportacio he did the inside.
0: So if I was on the if I was on a like a, as a little kid and I was I saw this on the comics rack, I probably would thumb through this because the blue guy on the cover is really striking. Yes, I didn't know anything about comics.
1: You'd want to probably figure out what's going on with this blue dude and why is he so important? Because he's all over the place in this cover. See,
0: this is this was this is a good cover as far as getting me to read the issue. I think.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, we 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 get to find out what happened to Nightcrawler. He's over at Amanda Sefton's house. Um, I guess the Beyonder teleported everybody but him to San Francisco, and Nightcrawler's. Kind of wondering, like, what am I useless? Why am I the only one that got singled out?
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's pouting. He's out in the rain, um, on I guess the uh, balcony stoop. The, the balcony of what's her? You said her name was. What was her name?
1: Amanda Sefton.
0: Okay, I almost said Candy Southern. Nope, that would have been a mistake. Yes. So it's her apartment. Uh, she's getting ready to leave to go on another flight across the world as is her job. And then are having a little argument of sorts. Mostly it's just Nightcrawler whining.
1: Nightcrawler's feeling sorry for himself about this whole Beyonder thing. He pines for, do you remember the Nightcrawler miniseries? Yes. He pines for the days when he was swashbuckling and saving princesses and such. And he wonders, why can't life be like that again? And then he also has to put that in perspective with the Beyonder, all of his power. Is he God? Is he Satan? Is he something else? And he's he's just got a lot of things, and he he feels like the original days of the X Men was more more fun adventures, but now everything's just so gloomy and real, and he just wants to kind of go back the way it was.
0: It's almost like this is a uh, a commentary on comics, kind of, very much but, so. But I don't know if it is. I don't know.
1: Yeah. In retrospect, it, it certainly is. Um, Amanda, she's like, uh, you need to adult this <laughs> and grow up. And Nightcrawler's like, no, I don't want to.
0: He says uh, "He his faith is questioned because the Beyonder is more powerful than anything that he's ever encountered. Uh, he says, when, when Amanda says, what makes the Beyonder so different? He says, what makes the sun different from a match flame? And he says, I don't know what's real anymore. When a potion or power or a being can change my mind, my body, even the concept of reality itself. You're a sorceress, Amanda. I truly do love you. Or did you use some spell to make me?
1: And that's when Amanda, she gets mad. And she's like, if you got to ask, you don't need to worry about loving me or anybody. And she leaves. Why did I do that? Yeah. That is kind of a selfish D-bag move on Nightcrawler's part.
0: I feel like... Well, I don't know. In in a real situation, I guess, it's the equivalent of saying, like, I never really loved you or something like
1: that. (laughs) Well, kind of. Just a childish thing that's not really true, but you're just... I don't know, trying to get a rise out of somebody for some reason.
0: Yeah, but it's it's a. I mean if you put it in a real world perspective it, it's very silly.
1: Yeah. You're a sorceress. <laughs> you might have made me love you. Did you? Um so she she gets into a cab, she's heading off to the airport. She vaguely reconsiders like maybe I should go back, but then she says nah, I'm out of here. So she's, And
0: Nightcrawler also considers bamfing down, but instead he he howls. Howl
1: yeah, Cabby's talking all about, like, beasts and stuff, and because he heard the howl. And he points out a jogger off to the side of the road, and he's like, look, even in this crazy rain, these joggers got to jog. And this jogger seems to be being chased down by a garbage truck.
0: Yeah, she also hears the howl, um, and she thinks it's wolves. She doesn't notice the garbage truck at all. Then we cut back to Nightcrawler, and he notices the telltale... Splang.
1: yeah uh, apparently he's got super keen hearing because he heard a splang noise in the middle of manhattan now adam mm-hmm. i've only been to manhattan twice it's pretty noisy there I don't know if you could single this noise out from the rest.
0: Well, it's in Central Park, and the main thing is that it is accompanied by a very large word that rises into the air. Oh. So I don't think he hears it. I think he sees it. You
1: see that? Oh, well, that could be. That makes a lot more sense. So he, he decides to go investigate, um, probably looking for some adventure. He spots the garbage truck, and he recognizes the man driving it as a man named Chambers, who is an assistant to Arcade. i got to be honest, I don't remember Chambers from any of our previous issues, but I'm sure he was
0: there. He was the guy who wasn't Miss, what's-her-face? Locke. Yes. Okay.
1: Nightcrawler decides that if there's a... Uh, garbage truck running around with the word splang and chambers driving it he better check it out so he follows the truck all the way to the circus that or i guess the midway or carnival that is murder world comments to himself that they've called the police multiple occasions And uh, the the police were never able to find a murder world underneath this carnival. So he jumps into a garbage can, which apparently is the well-known secret entrance of Murder World.
0: So does that mean that Murder World never moves, but but the police can never find it?
1: I guess. That's odd. Well, I mean, I think we even probably talked about this on on some of our uh, Danger Room previous episodes where... Uh, I I probably said something to the extent of you know the logistics and the amount of time and money it would take to move a murder world doesn't seem you know reasonable or possible. So I guess yeah. this is confirmation. What the logistics
0: of hiding it.
1: Well, well, it's underground, so maybe he's got a button that he pushes that just hides all the entrances.
0: Um, <laughs> I don't know. So climbing down into the murder world, he starts to question whether or not he is a uh, a coward which is kind of out of nowhere, but it goes back to when he was questioning himself as a leader. He also kind of says, maybe that's why I'm no good as a leader, because I'm so afraid. Right.
1: And it also kind of works with, you know, what we've been commenting on all this time, is that Nightcrawler, for the most part, has been kind of an ineffective team member. I mean, he can teleport and he can punch and stuff, but he's not really done a whole lot.
0: Yeah, but he's the doctor and he's the mechanic.
1: That's true. They keep giving them all these supporting roles because they're like, look, we just need you to teleport back and fix the plane, okay? Let the adults handle the bad guys. I can be leader. Oh, fine.
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll try that.
1: So this woman, this red-haired woman, she gets to meet Arcade, and apparently Arcade has been paid to run her through Murder World.
0: Nightcrawler comments that he knows the uh, Murder World fairly well from when Colossus and Shadowcat visited a few months ago and Arcade gave them a tour. Right. As we recall, that was the Doctor Doom episode.
1: Right. Where Miss Locke was, in fact, Doctor Doom for the annual birthday hunt.
0: Right. So so we now have a Nightcrawler who uh, is very familiar with Murder World.
1: Well, he read the files. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, in a very recognizable voice, he says, Welcome to Murder World, sweetheart. Was that the voice?
0: Uh, close enough. I'm I think ar- it's a little more menacing, but...
1: I'm Arcade. I hope you enjoy these last minutes of your life.
0: All right, all right, all right.
1: It, yeah, it's basically a little slower Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah, poorly done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he, he turns to Miss Locke and he's like, let's just get this over with. This is so boring.
0: Yeah, doing a, uh, murdering a human in Murderwood is not that exciting.
1: So just like the X-Men where she's put into a giant pinball and she's sent across the pinball table, she's bouncing all over the place, Arcade yawns, and he's like, ugh.
0: No wonder he's bored. I mean, he does the same thing every time.
1: Yeah, yeah, he should mix it up. Maybe, maybe not just start in the pinball machine. Start elsewhere. She crashes through uh, into a forest where she's being
0: hunted. We get some classic Chris Claremont thought balloons. I'm still alive. I guess the game's not finished. Lucky me. Where the heck am I? Yeah, a lot of dialogue. Here's a wolf howl, which she likens to the howl she heard in Central Park.
1: The cavalry shows up. And, uh, they are, um, there to attack the people that are attacking the
0: wolf, I guess. Uh, well, I, the wolves are, are the wolves on sticks or are those leashes? Uh, oh. I was thinking they were like animatronic wolves on sticks.
1: I guess you're right. I always thought that they were like <laughs> I always thought they were being stabbed by a spear, but I I think you're right. I think they're animatronic on sticks,
0: which makes no sense because on the next page one of them's going to fly maybe, off a cliff, but
1: Maybe it's just a tightly held leash. Maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, I don't know. The cavalry's here, I think, to attack uh, anybody who's not the cavalry, who includes these guys with torches and wolves, and this jogger lady.
0: Oh, you think that the guys in the woods in the first panel are opposing the other guy? I think the, so. The other guys at the bottom?
1: I think, to me, this whole issue is a bunch of scenarios um, that are occurring that, that she gets thrown into that she could die in. And, and the intent is that she does die in them.
0: Well, I don't... I don't think, I mean, I think you're right about that, but I think the people at the top are also hunting and killing her. It's like a like a Frankenstein thing. They're going through the woods hunting down Frankenstein.
1: Okay, that could be too. So they're all after her.
0: And then she she passes out of one scenario into the next, which is that now she's being hunted by 19th century European hussars.
1: Okay, that could be, sure. Uh, and she's finding out that some things in murder world are real, and some things are holograms. For example, she goes to attack the uh, horse, uh, I guess to push him off maybe the cliff. But she goes through him because it's a it's a hologram. But the cliff is not an illusion. She falls down it and lands in some water,
0: which in a in a real world scenario pretty much knocks you out.
1: Yeah, no, she gets right back. She's a jogger. She gets right back. I, mean, I up. guess
0: maybe adrenaline. Yeah.
1: She's she's running, like, jumping over tree trunks and stuff. And now she's, like, doing the lumberjack challenge where she's jumping from log to log.
0: It reminded me of Frogger.
1: <laughs> it's a little, like, Frogger. She... She takes a, a break on one of the logs when a giant shark comes out from nowhere and flings her aside, destroying her log.
0: A shark? Impossible! They can't exist in freshwater! What am I saying? Arcade makes the rules! His game pieces can do whatever he says! She's, she's adapted really well to this. Yeah,
1: she she's figuring things out quickly and... Nightcrawler teleports kind of what looks like in the shark's mouth, grabs her, and then teleports out uh, before the shark can close
0: his jaws. She, uh, she's about to get eaten, but Nightcrawler saves the day.
1: And that's when Arcade's like, Uh-oh, oh, a new player, Nightcrawler. All of a sudden, this game's gotten a whole lot more interesting.
0: My apologies if you feel a little bit ill. That's an unfortunate effect of teleporting. Are you all right? And
1: she assumes that this is another one of Arcade's goblins, so she's like, Whoa, get away from me. This is Arcade's world. I've seen enough stuff. It's a good assumption. Yeah, you leave me
0: alone. Random blue guy. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, I, I looked apart, but I'm a hero. I want to help you and, and she's she I got no I've I've got no idea what's real and what isn't, so why should I trust anything you say? Which Nightcrawler thinks reminds him of what he said to uh Amanda although it's a bit of a stretch i think
1: virtually my words to amanda thrown back in my face well virtually i guess anything could be your words to amanda but (laughs) realistically they're nowhere close like you were like a straight on jackass this woman is like fighting for her life and sees a goblin exactly (laughs) so anyways
0: it's it's totally different scenario
1: yep (laughs) And she's like, all right, or uh, Nightcrawler's like, all right, I I get it, uh, but you don't really have a choice, so why don't we work together, and I'll try to prove that uh, uh, I'm a good guy.
0: Oh, okay. And then there's a dune buggy that's apparently been right next to them this whole time.
1: Uh, I don't know what's happened. I don't know if time has passed or if the scene has changed, but the girl says, uh, a desert stretching to the horizon. I don't believe it. And yes, the dune buggy's there, and there's a whole bunch of, like, um... Mad Max Raiders heading towards them, fronted by a dune buggy with a lady wearing Arcade's head, which is kind of funny.
0: He's got a nice dress on.
1: Yeah, and a nice figure. And a a bow tie. (laughs) Auntie Arcade's personal pleasure to release you and the lady uh, from this aching world of pain and suffering. So he's aiming to kill them.
0: They hop in the car and the girl says, um, whose name we don't know yet, by the Uh, way. No, we don't. She says, uh, this car was provided by Arcade. It could be booby-trapped. (laughs) Booby.
1: Nightcrawler's like, that's a risk we'll have to take. Besides, if he wanted to, Arcade could kill us anytime with ease. But it's the game for him. So they race. And uh, Nightcrawler does the classic movie thing where he's like, all right, let's see what you're made of. And he punches it. And he is able to narrowly escape all
0: these jeeps. They get surrounded and people are shooting at them. And he's able to pull away. Eat dust, creeps. You'll never catch us now. Uh, And
1: and then the girl is like, uh, uh, they'll never catch us now. And Nightcrawler's like, yeah, not the cars. But what about those airplanes? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So now there's a bunch of biplanes that are flying. Which I don't really know why they're so worried. They don't seem to have any guns, but...
0: Maybe they have bombs? Maybe Maybe. they have oil slicks?
1: (laughs) Yeah, maybe they're kamikaze biplanes. But uh, he's like, okay, will you drive the car? She's like, I'm from Manhattan. I never learned how to drive.
0: Well, here's your chance! And he bamps away up onto the wing of one of the biplanes. Um... Which then flips over in an attempt to get him off. But with his tail, he clings to something. Although in the picture, he's not. He's just saying that he is. Um, in the next panel, he is clinging to it. And the robot falls out. And uh, with a Zoom, doofler, zoom Teufel Zoom Toofler. Toofler. Teufel. Teufel, yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler manages to right the plane. And now he's flying a plane. I keep forgetting what's at stake. My life and the girls. I don't even know her name. Uh, Even if we escape this death trap, Arcade will merely conjure another from the security of his control booth. I need some means to get at him, put this whole complex out of action. He's yep. putting together a plan.
1: He is able to dodge the airplanes, causing them to crash together. He, they're out of that situation. He kind of flies, I guess, close to the jeep and says, "Uh." All right, you keep going straight. You should be all right. Be seeing you, mein Freundin. It's been real. And he flies off.
0: Yeah, he tricks he tricks the plane that is flying against him to dive bomb into the arcade squadron. Right. So they they kill the, uh, the robot Arcade with Arcade's head.
1: So now the girl's like, Oh, Nightcrawler, how could you run on me? I just begun to believe what you were telling me, and I never even told you my name.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, Arcade's... <laughs> Enjoying himself, poor little darling, deserted by her knight in shining armor. Her heart must be broke all to bits. Ho, ho, ho. She
1: continues, well, Miss Locke, she kind of knows what's going on. She's like, such obvious cowardice is unlike Nightcrawler. It could be deception. Uh, The girl drives her jeep into Tokyo, I guess.
0: Some sort of Chinatown.
1: Yeah uh or yeah chinatown japan town something like that and uh her jalopy is out of gas so she gets out and she's just kind of wandering around uh mixed in with the Denzians of this city nobody's really pursuing her but she's like well i don't know what to do um and that's when miss Locke shows up and she says hey i can offer you sanctuary and escape come with me and she uh, looks in the window. It looks like she's uh, on the red light district, right? There's a simulacrum of her in um, attire, um, seductive attire in the window. And she's kind of wondering to herself, like, oh, I guess I could have done this. This could be me.
0: I guess uh, Miss Locke is offering her the opportunity to work for her or to get killed. <laughs> right.
1: Uh, and that's when a number of these people who looked, mostly peaceful before, all pull knives and start heading toward her.
0: And that's when Nightcrawler returns. Cue the fanfare as the hero makes his dramatic and timely entrance. He punches it.
1: Yeah, he punches everybody, disarms all the people, and Miss Locke's head turns into Arcade's head. Um, And he says, uh, well, after Nightcrawler says, the lady's under my protection. He says, that doesn't count for much, fuzzball. You ain't getting out of murder world.
0: Want to bet
1: bad guy <laughs> And so he thinks this is all kind of a joke. The girl's like this isn't funny, like this is real and Nightcrawler's like, Oh the fun contrary to the riot. He gives the Miss Lock Arcade thing a kiss on the nose and says, You'll look marvelous in fuchsia.
0: And it looks like he knocks her into a puddle. Yep, drops her in. Oh heavens! How rude! How clumsy of me! So dreadfully sorry, Toodles. You're
1: crazy, mister. How is making Arcade mad going to do us any good?
0: And Arcade agrees with that sentiment when Colossus bursts in.
1: Not only does Colossus burst in, but Wolverine bursts in. He's hacking up all the computers and stuff.
0: And then Storm also comes in and shoots lightning at one of the computers. She
1: She doesn't just come in, she flies in and shoots lightning at a control panel. And
0: Rogue grabs Arcade as he says, Wait a minute, I thought Storm lost her elemental powers.
1: Seems to me, sugar, says Rogue in her old costume, like you've been misinformed. Your toys are all broken inside, Arcade, honey. And murder world out of action. Our elf buddy will have no trouble scooting with the lady.
0: yeah, scooting. <laughs> we do get Seven. a scoot. <laughs>
1: Game set and uh,
0: match, assassin, to Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Arcade quickly realizes, ah, of course, you were here already because you ain't the real X-Men at all. You're my robot versions of him. That stiff nailed me with my own pieces. He really and truly beat me in my own game this time. And he tilts his head back and, in laughter.
1: And I guess uh, either Arcade let them out or they were able to escape... But uh, Nightcrawler explains the whole thing. Like, I couldn't tell you what I was going to do for the risk of arcade hearing, so I just left you. I reprogrammed all the robots, because that's what I do. I'm a medic and a reprogrammer and a pilot, and I do all the other stuff. I'm amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And uh, I'd give anything to have seen Arcade's face when they burst in. I'll bet it was priceless.
0: I'll bet it was. You really loved that whole mess.
1: (laughs) Haven't had that much fun. They uh, fun and ages. Her name is Judith, I guess. And she's like, uh, you need to live in the real world. Um, you know, if you didn't have people like Arcade, you'd probably make somebody to be your Arcade. Like, that's probably not very healthy. It's true. And Nightcrawler's like, well, you're safe now. Uh, but I'm the man who risked your life and I'm about to do it again. He kicks her door open only to find some guys kneeling and bowing.
0: They're from the State Department and the National Guard of Ruritania.
1: Yeah, whatever that is. And they're like, "Your most serene and royal Majesty, Judith Rassendell, last of the Elfbergs, Queen of Ruritania."
0: Huh? and and Judith both look at each other in shock with question marks and exclamation marks. And do we ever go back to this story,
1: buddy? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on the pages of the X-Men, I don't think. Maybe it's revisited in Excalibur, but... Uh, I mean, you'd think that this is a starting of a whole new storyline because it's like Arcade kidnapped this woman for some reason. She turns out to be the Queen of Ruritania. What's that? Who hired her? But I don't, I don't know what the resolution to this is, if there even is one. I see. Next is Wounded Wolf by Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith. I wonder if that'll be any good
0: um uh, is that life death three
1: no she's probably and that's the only thing that barry windsor smith uh does right
0: that and uh what was that blastar
1: he does blastar and he does storm and forge yeah yeah so i'm guessing it's a storm forge blastar crossover
0: oh man wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> No,
1: i'm looking forward to it if it's anything else i'm gonna quit the x-men
0: okay wow
1: <laughs> just <laughs> like that a,
0: it's quite a commitment
1: so there, with uh, twenty-five minutes of an episode, let's let's wrap it up. Let's, uh, or or should we just do Alpha Flight, maybe? All righty. So uh, before we get into the the other stuff we do, let's we're just gonna finish off this Alpha Flight story because it may or may not be important.
0: Um. So before we start this, I said last episode that the first appearance of Lady Deathstrike was Alpha Flight thirty-three. Um, this issue proves me quite wrong.
1: Right. Some and daredevil I, issue.
0: I did some... Remember the daredevil issue that Wolverine guessed it in? Nope. Oh. <laughs> well, in that, um, there are some Japanese people that are saying that he's some the, the his adamantium uh, skeleton is somehow connected to Japan, and he gets all curious about it. I don't remember then, that at all. And in the next issue, um, daredevil goes to Japan where he... Uh, Meets Yuriko, mm. uh, who is Lady Deathstrike. But she's not Lady Deathstrike until Alpha Flight 33. Up until up until now, she has been a character in Daredevil named Yuriko. We learn most of the backstory in this issue. Yep. So skipping ahead of all of this Alpha Flight yeah, stuff. Yeah, some Alpha Flight stuff happens. Where we left
1: off is a bunch of ninjas showed up and Lady Deathstrike confronting Wolverine and Guardian, or Heather Hudson. And we... Find out that the, I don't know, the misappropriated equipment is Wolverine skeleton. I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but.
0: Yeah, she, uh, Lady Deathstrike says that I heard that, um, how do I say this without revealing everything? I guess it doesn't matter.
1: Just say it in context <laughs> of this issue.
0: Um, she reveals that she is after Wolverine skeleton. She wants to uh, she, get it back. She's come to us a... says it's been the the process of adamantium has been stolen. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're way ahead now. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I think she says that in the first panel. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah. She uh is here to avenge the honor of her father and her clan um and yes, you're right. Her father apparently was the inventor or the discoverer of of adamantium and that that formula was stolen by somebody and was ultimately used to give wolverine his bones so uh y- yuriko her father didn't give wolverine the adamantium bones no so I think I might have said something along those lines last episode, but this this clears up all of that.
0: <laughs> but it throws up uh, it throws up a whole different set of uh, misleads, if you will. Yeah,
1: I want to talk a little bit about that. Um,
0: so Lady Deathstrike says that she knows that uh, Wolverine is betrothed to Lady uh, Mariko yep. uh, Yoshida, who is second only to the Emperor of Japan himself in power, and she says that even though Clan Yoshida would probably rest at nothing until your death is avenged. I I need to... uh, I did not expect to find you in possession of that which was stolen from my father. Honor compels me to reclaim it. Yeah. Honor. That I can understand.
1: So, she's not been sent here by anybody. She kind of cooked up this plan by herself?
0: Well, she reveals later that she was actually looking for Bullseye.
1: Ah, yeah. So, wait, before we get too far, we got Mariko who is Clan Yashida, right, Wolverine's lover. Yep. Former lover. And then you've got Yukio, who is the girl he met in Japan that they had a fling, and that's it. Also a former lover. Right. And then this is Yuriko. Yes. Okay. There you go. That explains all of my confusion.
0: I... will never be referred to as Yuriko again. I think from now on, she's just Lady Deathstrike.
1: Okay. So somewhere along the line, I got it in my head that Yukio and Yuriko were the same person. And I thought that spurned, love spurned, or love scorned, or whatever you want to say, Yuriko became Lady Deathstrike to exact her revenge. But I was
0: 100% totally wrong. Well, you were missing this key chapter.
1: Yes, I was. So, anyways, yeah, so the whole bullseye thing that you just talked about uh,
0: is is kind of
1: recapped re, uh, here.
0: You've come to take my bones, says Wolverine. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, So here's where she talks about. um, So what happened after that issue of Daredevil that we did Mm -hmm. is that Daredevil went to Japan because Lord Darkwind, who is Lady Deathstrike's father, had kidnapped uh, Bullseye and I guess was going to kill him. I'm not really sure about that. Um, And we learned that, well, Daredevil goes to rescue Bullseye because he doesn't want him to die because that's his code of honor or whatever. Um, Lord Darkwind infuses Bullseye with some adamantium, I believe, is what happens in that story. And also in that story, Yuriko, uh, Lord Darkwind's daughter, kills Lord Darkwind because he scarred her face and her brother's face. Mm-hmm. And so she always uh, hated him. And then one of his followers, who is also Yuriko's lover named Kira, kills himself because that's how loyal his men were
1: hmm he, f- he fled, or she fled, rather.
0: So she does some research into her father, and I don't know if this is new stuff or if this is a backstory from another issue of Daredevil, but um, her father was a, uh, I guess, a, a scientist in Japan who volunteered for a kamikaze suicide mission that failed. Uh, he crashed into a, uh, what are those ships called? Aircraft uh, carrier aircraft carrier but the thing uh, the ship didn't explode so he was just captured and scarred and um, after he stopped being a prisoner of war he started leading a band of um i guess japanese uh fellows (laughs)
1: i'm gonna disagree with you adam there it clearly looks like he's starting up cobra he's got the
0: hood on it definitely uh either that or the secret empire
1: oh yeah right because that guy had a hood as well
0: yeah it's it's a very uh it's a very common hooded theme here i want to i want to i want to buy a hood
1: (laughs) just just wear it around (laughs) and be like i'm starting a secret empire
0: of (laughs) cobra so uh, during, during this, when he's starting up his army, he decides that he wants to create an invincible army by bonding adamantium to his soldiers' bones. Hmm. Uh, and then the formula is stolen, uh, as you mentioned, and he never finds out by who. And it took him decades to reinvent the process, which he then transfers to Bullseye, and then Eurico Mer- kills him. But now that she has understood his story, she reclaims the uh, the title of leader of uh, the people that he used to lead. Yeah. Okay. And, and they're still loyal to him. So now they're loyal to her. And she is tracking Bullseye with her adamantium trackers. And that's how she comes across Wolverine.
1: Right. And that's when Heather Hudson's like, oh, my gosh, I'm remembering something. Back when she used to be uh, Mac's, uh secretary, um, she came in on him one day uh, to to go or wherever. And he's like, oh, I just got to file these reports. And she's like, well, I can do that. I'm your secretary. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't, I wouldn't even know. They're so complicated. I don't even know where you'd put them. And she's like, okay. But apparently she was clever enough to look at the files, one of which was listed as a report on the process of bonding adamantium to human skeletal structure, a translation from the Japanese, <laughs> which is a hell of a name for a file.
0: Man, she remembered all that. Uh-huh. The, uh, the name of the file is so large that they can't fit it in the tab of the file.
1: Oh, no, it's below the tab. <laughs> Clearly below the tab. And then she thinks to herself, like, wait a minute. Was this Max doing? Like, did he have something to do with this? And was the honeymoon at that location part of the plan because he knew that Wolverine was going to be there? And maybe Wolverine didn't want to eat them. Maybe he wanted revenge. For what Mac had done to him, but then maybe Mac knew that he could leave, and the soothing touch of a beautiful woman would calm Wolverine. was this all an elaborate setup from the get go what would wow. have, what would have happened if uh Mac uh, uh did use Wolverine uh, uh and I don't know something else oh if like Logan Wolverine, what
0: if Wolverine found out all about this all of the stuff that she suspects would Wolverine have killed her and proclaimed his love for me would I have had him maybe if I'd have known what Mac had done to us both so she's she's just bought this whole story that she told herself
1: <laughs> she made up a story and now she completely believes it
0: how could i guess i guess we're supposed to too at this point but you know coming from the future we know none of that happened how could he do this to me and she
1: whoops she even says uh, i'm left with the suspicions which dead man's lips can't dispel well so there's that it's uh, true wolverine's like you have
0: to do some research yeah
1: i don't know if my bones came from your old man's process or not but if you want them you're gonna have to carve them out of me want to try?
0: Yes, Wolverine said, I do!
1: So all the ninjas attack, and Heather springs into action, and she's like, uh, now... Jeremy,
0: these aren't ninjas, they're samurai. Oh,
1: whatever. It's a <laughs> big difference. Find the samurai spring into action. <laughs> and so she starts using her battle suit. Wolverine would like her to stay out of it, but she, as we know, is in search of some training, and, and I guess she's starting to understand how to use the suit.
0: Maybe I wearing my husband's battle suit can use it to save my husband's creation. So yep. she's bought onto this 100%. Yep.
1: Uh, Lady Deathstrike realizes that Heather has power, but she doesn't know how to use it. So she instructs the samurais to kill her and take Wolverine dead or alive. Samurais are just jumping at Wolverine, Wolverine is uh, disarming them, like, it looks like he's gutting them, but even Heather's like, oh, he's pulling back, like, he could have killed them, but he, he's not, he's retracting his
0: claws at the last minute. He's not the killer Mac tried to make him. <laughs> the story
1: that I made up for myself, it just keeps getting better. <laughs> and he's teaching me that when you possess power, you've got to exercise restraint. I'm just reading into everything. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Good
0: going, babe, but now it's time to take the the trees. So they run away because they... Wolverine says basically, like, these guys really aren't a challenge to us, and we're going to, like, eventually end up killing one of them. So let's take off. Yep.
1: So they do leave. Um, Lady Deathstrike is uh, making fun of Wolverine. Wolverine talks of honor and then runs. Find him. Your wrist bands contain detectors attuned to his adamantium laced bones. Cute. (laughs) Samurai thinks he's found him behind a tree, so he swings his sword. But it turns out that Wolverine wasn't behind the tree; he was in it. Yes. <laughs> so uh, there you go. Ninja Star comes flying past Wolverine's face.
0: Um, Gar- uh, Guardian or-, or Heather realizes that Wolverine essentially sent her away so that he could deal with them on his own. Yep. I think that's what happened. Anyway, that's
1: exactly what happens. Then she starts thinking about. Uh, it's past. Uh, that's hunt- It's his past that's hunting him, and his past and mine are intertwined. It's the tragedy of the past I have to vindicate. Wait a minute, vindicate? That sounds like the name Mac chose for himself after he chucked the designation weapon alpha. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I'm going to be called Vindicator. I like it. <laughs> it suits me, so that's who I'll be.
0: She also furthers her suspicion, saying... After what Mac did to Logan, I should be protecting him. hmm She shoots up the ground, beating up all the samurai, mostly stopping on them, and then she realizes, wait, these guys are probably here to divert me while well, the true battle takes place somewhere else. Mm-hmm.
1: Sure enough, now Lady Deathstrike is fighting Wolverine. She's got like a vibro sword. It's not adamantium, but it's a electromagnetically tempered. She can cut down trees and stuff, so she's thinking that this could probably slice through some adamantium.
0: Well, it can't because she, she hits his claws. I mean, we see that.
1: Uh, She hits it before, like, she lights it up, it looks like. To me, anyways. Like, it's just a sword. And then she goes, no, but it's electromagnetically tempered. And then the sword starts glowing and she chops down the tree.
0: Oh, I just assumed it was always on.
1: I don't know. I'm assuming, like, in this panel where it starts glowing, it looks like she's clicking, like, a red button. Fair enough. Yeah, but who knows.
0: (laughs) That's the noise the sword makes.
1: Puck flies in because he's mounting a rescue for uh, Heather uh, because he loves her.
0: Wolverine says the honorable way to clear his name every time Deathstrike calls him a thief is to kill her. It doesn't seem honorable to me, but okay. He
1: he says he wants to kill. That'd be the honorable way to clear my name, which I agree with you. But then he's like, uh, "But that ain't the X Men's way." So he's not going to do it. But but that's where his mind goes.
0: Yeah, It's just interesting. Maybe I mean maybe it's a cultural difference that I'm not aware of. But at any rate, yes, Puck comes in and hits Wolverine in the back of the head with his silent but deadly ship.
1: <laughs> yes. And in the time, Lady Deathstrike was swinging at Wolverine, Mrs. Wolverine, but cuts the omni-ship, as it is called. Before
0: I use my sword to carve out your skeleton, Wolverine-san, let me show you how keen the blade is. And she slices up the ship. Puck jumps
1: out in his typical cannonball style. The, the omni-ship goes down. Heather sees all this. She sees Wolverine down, so she flies into Lady Deathstrike pushing her into a tree.
0: You won't practice vivisection while Vindicator is around. That's a lot of V-words. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So she's like, you're powerful. Uh, I see you have a costume, but do you think it's going to protect me against my metal-slicing sword? She's like, try me. So she comes flying at Lady Deathstrike, or Heather, rather. Heather powers up her suit. Both Wolverine and Parker like, get down. You That sword's pretty, pretty powerful.
0: Heather in We got a creature before. And the sword destroys itself on contact. My father's sword, says Lady Does Strike. And Heather says, Ancient history, Death Strike. Like your scheme to take back Wolverine's bones.
1: You shattered it, says Wolverine.
0: So I guess the idea is that the electromagnetic shields in her costume destroyed the electromagnetic sword i don't Are, know how that works but i guess it does who
1: cares <laughs> uh i guess mac built the uh, built better and dark lord dark wind um
0: so he, wait does that mean that if if her sword can't cut through uh this electromagnetic that wolverine's adamantium claws can't cut through it too well,
1: no. Wolverine's claws aren't electromagnetic. Okay, <laughs> I, don't
0: it's very, I don't know. I don't know because it, it's it, it's it's that would be interesting because that would mean that Mac built something that could withstand oh an that, attack from you. Wolverine.
1: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, gentlemen, you've seen what Vindicator can do. Do you still want to offer me your protection?
0: Wah wah wah. And
1: that's the end of the Wolverine portion of the episode. Or issue, rather. And that just lends, like... um, I don't remember any of that from the Weapon X story.
0: Well, yeah, I think all of that gets retconned. Okay. As as Heather's wrong.
1: (laughs) I mean, obviously, Heather is just... um, uh, speculating, right? So all of that can be washed away with a broad brush of like she didn't know what she was talking about. But what about the other stuff that Lady Deathstrike talked about about her father inventing adamantium I mean, all of that's pretty plausible but does that ever get worked in?
0: I believe that yes, that remains a constant that Lady Deathstrike's father was the inventor of the process to bond adamantium to bones. However, that process we learn doesn't work on humans because we haven't quite, we haven't talked about adamantium of antium poisoning yet i don 't no. know when that comes into place
1: that 's that that long time, yeah, long. so... but anyways um okay, so the other interesting thing about this th- there 's a good read and everything a uh, little, little little interesting way to do i guess the deepest dive into wolverine 's origin that we 've done to date, uh, but interesting to do it in the pages of Alpha flight and really not have. Uh, the uncanny x-men reference it i don't even know if x-men 205 references it i'll it'll be interesting to reread that and, and see if it does but i thought as we were reading this that this was going to neatly dovetail into 205 but it doesn't it
0: yeah it probably there's probably i would i would imagine there is a panel that references alpha flight the story that we just read in a way that you don't even necessarily, if you haven't read it, you don't even know it's referencing it. So That's, that's my guess.
1: I'm not going to spoil the next, I think everybody knows what's coming, but I'm not going to spoil it for those of you that, that maybe don't. But um, I really feel like Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith and Bill Mantlo had this idea, talked through it, and then they went their separate directions and wrote something and then published them. And then they got together afterwards and they're like, huh, this <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, I guess it's fine, but it seems like this story should have ended differently to get us to X-Men 205. Is all I'm saying. We can talk about that more next week. Maybe there's something I've missed, but I've read that issue quite a few times. Uh, it's a very very good issue It's one of my favorite issues i don't think there's a like a flashback panel but i could be wrong about that too there might be like a dialogue box like as seen in alpha flight 33 and 34 but
0: like i don't even think there is i think there's a i think there and i, I haven't read it in a long time but me neither, my guess me neither. is that there is a reference to it that you don't if you haven't read alpha flight you don't even need to have read alpha flight it's right. the it's going to be something that is so vague that it isn't it's just like oh well that's could be referencing Alpha Flight but is it
1: (laughs) that could sure that could very well be maybe Wolverine has a thought balloon about just like that advent that caper I had with Heather something like that something like that all right, well, join us uh, for that next time. Uh, if you'd like to get a hold of us, though, you can do so at uh, www.xmenpodcast.com. Facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast uh, is our Facebook web page. You can follow us at Danger Room Go. Email us, Danger Room at com. You can subscribe or leave us some stars or see all of our episodes out on iTunes. Just go into your iTunes app, go into the podcast section, type in Danger Room. We're the first one that... That'll pop up. Call us at 501-GET-X-MEN. That's 501-438-9636. And as always, our music is provided by Laszlo Hollifeld. Adam, you said that there was some Twitter drama. What's what's going on on the
0: Twitterverse? I wouldn't say that it was drama. Oh. It's um, uh, as some people, and I... I I I apologize to whoever's involved in this because I read it yesterday and I forgot everybody's name. That's how terrible I am. Uh there's a couple of people on the Twitters who think that we should do a crossover podcast with two other podcasts. Um that I prepared better. I would know which two podcasts those were. But if you listen to our podcast, you know who you are. Um so uh so yeah, crossover. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: I guess. I guess we'll see what comes of it.
1: I um I missed all of those tweets, so um it's, it sounds intriguing. If somebody's willing to set it up, I think one or both of us would be willing to uh, participate in it, and uh, could be interesting.
0: I am not a Twitter expert, and um, I'm not exactly sure how Twitter works. I kind of skim through things, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm reading, but. That sounds interesting. So, you know, I might have completely misinterpreted it. And I didn't want to respond via Twitter because I really have no idea what all the hashtags are for. <laughs> so okay. I'm an old man. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I'm with you. Me too. So, yeah, if somebody wants to, yeah, I don't know, reach out to us on the email or any one of those contacts, infos I just provided, uh, sure. I don't know. We could, we could see if we could line something up. Uh could be fun. But anyways, uh, we, we do have a few other things left to cover. We've got uh, a little bit of X-Factor and New Mutants to talk about.
0: So I'm looking at them both. Do you think that the, the box of L- X-Factor, um, which just has Jean Grey, you think that's why they put Cyclops on the cover of uh, X-Men? That's
1: a good question. I don't know.
0: They're like, well, Cyclops has to be here.
1: Well, isn't this something that X-Factor does is they don't put everybody in the box?
0: Well, let's see. Issue two does has the X in the box from X Factor. So, yeah, I don't know. Issue 1 also has the X. So This is the first X-Factor box that has someone in it.
1: X-Factor 4 has Beast in the box, and we'll talk a little bit about that.
0: So maybe they're they're alternating characters at a certain point.
1: Uh, X-Factor 6 also has Beast in the box, so it's like they're not really mixing it up very well. I'm just doing a quick flip through here. Uh, Oh, X-Factor 7 has Angel. So it looks like X-Factor's thing is just to put one a uh, larger drawing, full body drawing in in their little marvel box. Also we should we should mention and maybe it was last uh, I- issue as well. Well like we're in like the whole this is where I kind of started collecting marvel comics, not X-Men but the 25th anniversary when that logo was up there. That's when I started picking up GI Joes and Transformers.
0: Me too. So, not uh, X-Men yet though.
1: Nope, nope. Uh when we get to that issue, I'm sure I'll talk a lot about it, but it's it's coming. It's not there yet though.
0: Yeah, we're getting we're getting close to the issues where it's the giant I like think every issue was a giant head. Yeah. With all the Marvel characters around the head. Yeah. I remember that very well.
1: Yeah. I had
0: Transformers and and G. I. Joe of both of those. I don't think I, I probably have other things now, but at the time it was just those two.
1: Um what was so G. I. Joe was uh, Snake Eyes. What was transformers
0: i don't remember um i want to say optimus prime but probably not maybe it was bumblebee who knows Hmm.
1: could have been optimus because they didn't they kill him off like fairly quick soon
0: yeah they killed him off in like the fourth issue and then they spent the next eight issues bringing him back
1: but didn't they kill him again
0: uh, probably, I don't <laughs> I think, know. I don't
1: remember. There's like a like binary had a, a virus. I don't remember. It doesn't matter.
0: Binary, you mean circuit breaker? Sorry, circuit breaker. Yeah, circuit breaker. Binary is X Men.
1: And, and wasn't circuit breaker in Secret Wars?
0: Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Keep. That's so weird. You did not imagine that it yeah. was a weird random panel. <laughs>
1: okay. Um. All right. So yeah. Uh, X Factor number three. Um. Just try to cover this as quickly as I can. I prepared for this, Adam. I've got I got bullets. That's great. Yeah.
0: I did not read this one,
1: so I'm counting on you. Prepare to be bulleted away. Uh, Beast does not actually die of cardiac arrest, and Carl wraps him up in bandages for the next part of the treatment. Artie's powers, we find out, are to mind-lock someone and project images of what's happening at that current time. Uh, X-Factor eventually finds Carl Maddox's laboratory. Jean is able to demonstrate some of her enhanced telekinesis powers. Uh, Angel confronts Cyclops about Madeline, only to find out that she's left Scott. Carl Maddox retells the origin of the Beast and how the Secret Empire—it's actually referenced in this issue—thought they killed him, uh, but he was actually just wounded. When the Secret Empire ultimately fell, Carl returned to his life as a geneticist at the Ryan Corporation. As a widow, because apparently he had a wife that had died some time earlier, and he had a son. On Artie's 11th birthday, he he mutated, both physically and with powers, and Carl started working on a cure, but he got stuck on the formula for the cure, so he decided to kidnap Beast to figure out how to finish the cure. You know, rather than just, like, phoning him up and being like, hey, dude, could you help me with this problem? <laughs> yeah, I know we've had our differences, but, yeah, I'm alive, but, you know, we could talk about—all the- right, whatever. <laughs> X-Factor is detected, so the Ryan Corp security has orders to shoot to kill— Carl, for some reason, like flips uh, and says uh, that he'll he'll hold off the security if X Factor will save his son. Uh, X Factor takes off with Artie. Artie projects the experiences or X projects and experiences his father's death. So he basically dies with his father, sort of. Uh, X Factor returns to their base. Gene confronts Cyclops, uh, but. Just as Cyclops is about to tell her about Maddie, they get interrupted regarding the status of Beast. A specialist that Cameron Hodge has hired unwraps Beast's bandages to reveal that the Beast is now human in form.
0: He kind of looks like a roadie for the talking heads, if you ask me.
1: That's what Iceman says. No, that's what I said. Oh, well, that's also what Iceman says. (laughs) And that's X Factor number three,
0: which is interesting that they uh, they obviously made Beast human again because the X Factor is running around costumeless, and Beast kept ha- kept having to not be a part of those missions,
1: right? And I, for one, I support it. I I mean, it's it's necessary for the story, but I also thought that it was fairly skillfully uh, executed. Uh, so, and then I mean, not only is this just like a cheap retcon, but you get to revisit this character. Artie is going to become a prominent member of X Factor. Uh, I don't know what happens to him ultimately, but a lot of things happen after this, obviously, that are because of this issue. So it was good.
0: I don't know if I can wrap up uh, New Mutants thirty nine quite as quickly, but uh, I will. I will try to do my best. The um, the 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 cover box features. Um, Magneto and Warlock. Warlock is saying, "Ooh, it's I don't I don't know what's going on." Well I guess they're peeking over at what's happening in the on the cover, which is an Art Adams cover with uh, mutants is crossed out, and it says the new Hellions. Now and Emma Frost has strung up and is has all the new mutants tied up.
1: This is an Art Adams cover, so you know that you. Y- you know, how, um, white queen is drawn.
0: Yeah. It's a very scantily clad white queen, which is, you know, I think pretty traditional for how he's, she's been drawn. Um, mm-hmm. it's a little more, uh, titillating than usual.
1: Yeah. So if, so if I see this on the counter or the, the, the rack next to X-Men number two Oh four, and I don't really know much about either. And I got 75 cents to spend. I probably buy the sexy lady cover. Sadly, I open the issue and I'm like, "What the hell, Keith Pollard? <laughs> he doesn't draw anything like Art Adams."
0: It's actually, I mean, besides the ridiculous body of Emma Frost, it's a it's a pretty neat cover.
1: No, it's great.
0: Um, I, I they shadow her face and she looks very evil.
1: Her cape is well shadowed. I mean, it's really good. It's
0: a good cover. It's good. It's good. It's interesting because she actually doesn't play an evil. She's not terrible in this issue. Um, so what happens is that. The New Mutants minus Danny and Warlock have all gone over to Emma Frost's school. And uh, as Magneto had discovered, they are pretty much zombies still. And all the Hellions also discover this. So uh, with the exception of Magic, who keeps disappearing, uh, Emma Frost... Oh, and plus Emma Frost uh, can't go into Magic's head because she's a... She's got that telepathic uh, defense mechanism. Uh, so so magic is turning into a demon very slowly. Uh, the rest of the new mutants, she is able to go into their heads and using telepathy and her powers, bring them back to their pre-beyonder So the new mutants are finally returning from their zombie forms. Meanwhile, back at the mansion, uh, Magneto, uh, uh, who's mostly depressed, uh, realizes that he was manipulated by Emma Frost and... uh, What's that guy's name? Empath? Yeah. And uh, and he says, nobody messes with Magneto. Um, Danny Moonstar leaves on Brightwind. She doesn't want to be a part of. Oh, uh, Magneto's been drinking and drinking a lot. He's become an alcoholic. Oh. So it's weird that he's also in issues of X-Men. Not as, as an as, alcoholic. Yeah. Oh, I got to deal with the New Moons. Give me a beer.
1: I'm with the X-Men. No problems here, everybody.
0: Uh and that's that's pretty much everything that happens in the the issue. Uh the 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 two people that were turned into Indians in the Death Bear saga are found by uh Magneto and I think Stevie Hunter's in this issue too. Yeah. Magneto's he got a weird shower scene in this one. He steps out of the shower. He, he Very naked strange. Yeah, come just naked for like six panels as he as he helps out the uh they they turned into punks for some reason the the people that had turned into indians are now turned into or native americans sorry uh turned into punks now um that's it. that's that's more or less it
1: so no closure
0: yeah it, it's a continuation um emma frost calls somebody to let it's it's alluded that she calls the i guess she calls the police Emma, Emma Frost calls the police because she knows that Magneto knows that she manipulated him. Uh, so he's going to have the police go after a known terrorist at the, the Xavier School. And that's yeah. where it ends. Got it. Next issue, Avengers. Oh, fantastic. No, no. The Avengers. Oh, fantastic. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right, then. Well, that's – that's there we are.
0: Bam, 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 bam.
1: So, you got anything else, Adam? No, sir. Well, then until next time, everybody, my name's Jeremy.
0: My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed.